Good evening and welcome to Slammy Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. I have back on the show Nick Giles, as well as Marinica Bowman, and we are going to talk about a kangaroo court and intentional infliction of emotional distress. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, and people always wonder what a kangaroo court is. Now, I'm getting this off of Wikipedia. A kangaroo court is a court that ignores recognized standards of law or justice, carries little or no official standing in the territory within which it resides, and is typically convened ad hoc. A kangaroo court may ignore due process and come to the predetermined conclusion, the term may also apply to a court held by a legitimate judicial authority with intentionally disregards the court's legal or ethical obligations. And um, here is a picture. It shows a session of the People's Court in Nazi Germany, a kangaroo court that conducted show trials of political enemies. I will show you the picture. You can see it there. Um, it also says a kangaroo court could also develop when the structure and operation of the forum result in an inferior brand of adjudication. A common example of this is when institutional disputants, repeat players, have excessive and unfair structural advantages over individual disputants, which are one-shot players. So I welcome you back, Nick and Marineka. And how are you doing this morning? Thank you. And Good yourself, morning. Good morning. Thank you. So what do you think of these kangaroo courts that we all have been subject to? <laughs> <laughs> They're out of control, whether it's uh, civil or criminal. It doesn't matter from all the stories that I've heard and experienced myself. Um, and then a lot of times you can get uh, um, criminal coming out of the civil. And then I've even heard of places where the the judge was presiding over the criminal and the family court <laughs> yeah yeah how does that happen <laughs> right and it shouldn't be uh no. I, I, i'm the type <clears throat> i believe it family court should just be abolished and go into civil court and Absolutely. if a criminal matter pops up then we just stop the process and handle the criminal matter and get that out of the way you know, with a jury of 12. <clears throat> oh, I absolutely agree. And that's that's part of what I plan on doing with the uh, um, uh, Federal Family Rights Act is those type of things will be included um, with the abolishment of uh, family court and then an actual judicial court system with, uh, like you were saying, jurors and, and so on and so forth. Um, generally, they like to give you six, no matter what it is but you have the right to 12 and and so the 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 uh, like with any other court proceeding the the person um in the family court that wants 12 if they request 12 they should get 12 because the, there's no reason they shouldn't when they request it and so mm -hmm. um, but, but obviously if you in in this kangaroo court that we have um called family court you can't request six <laughs> let alone 12. Mm -hmm. And and so anybody that walks into this court immediately, I, it doesn't matter whether you're the winner or loser, um, everybody's rights were violated the moment you started trial. And mm -hmm. so 
well, actually, even going into it, there was mm-hmm. a lot of rights violations. But, but as of you know, not having uh, right representation and a jury and stuff like mm-hmm. that, not there. And and also with Marineka's case, you know, there's, I'm sure, as soon as she walked in there, her human rights violations started immediately. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I was never asked if I um, waive my right to an attorney from the beginning. I never asked if I would like to have an attorney. Never. Never once in the process. Never. So, yes. My rights was violated. You know. And my child rights was violated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the other rights that are violated. From the yeah. beginning because they feel... And 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 this I hear this over and over again because she's um she just three she just five she don't have no rights you know she can't speak for herself and all of this stuff but she still have rights she's still a human being she's still a person mm-hmm. absolutely speaking of which you know when we get more into IID and the people that have done this and and anybody that might do it going forward. Um, uh, list your children as plaintiffs too because you have the right to sue on their behalf and then so that's extra lawsuits on everybody that's involved with this mm-hmm. and then talk about opening a can of worms <laughs> and that so is, um, yeah. yeah and and personally i'd rather throw the claim for myself aside and just bring my kids into it you know because when it comes down to all this kind of stuff um it's abuse on all of us um but um especially the children mm-hmm. um because because we have more mental and emotional fortitude than they do, and and then um, especially when it comes to the brainwashing and stuff that goes along with all this. So, yeah. So, it, you know, explain intentional infliction of emotional distress. I I E D. Well, I I E D is a civil tort from common law and is a gap filler tort. IIED is an acronym for intentional infliction of emotional distress. It's also sometimes called a tort of outrage. Now, um, also, um, like the acronym sends, uh, says, it's intentional infliction. Uh, but there also is negligent, which would be NIED, but it's, it's not um, necessarily written into the uh, tort law, but it's used a lot, especially like in um uh, employment cases um and so uh, because this can even this this law can even be used in employment it can be used in any case where i mean somebody crashing into you um in your car you name it let alone this kind of situation um but since iied is a filler tort it fills the gaps of other laws and claims examples like defamation um uh, like the Don, Johnny Depp trial uh, showed in the state of Virginia. Um, that was an IIED case, and he used defamation as the um, basically um, uh, the grounds for a trial to move forward, you know, the, the, and, um, or psychological abuse, which is also called parental alienation, but I prefer to use psychological abuse because that's exactly what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, frivolous lawsuits um, that come at you, like with Maranaka, where mm-hmm. she had eight straight 
claims that were denied and then all of a sudden magically on new grounds the ninth one we're going to go ahead and proceed with that that right there is uh um, frivolous lawsuits Mm -hmm. and that could be uh, especially if it's causing you emotional distress which like even if if you're putting out money that can cause emotional distress Mm -hmm. um um, malicious prosecution is another one negligent misrepresentation. I mean, it goes on and on on the different types of uh, um, uh, um, uh, things that you use to fill the gap with. Um, in- intentional infliction of emotional distress (IIED) generally involves some kind of conduct that is so terrible that it causes emotional trauma to the victim. In such cases, the victim can recover damages from the person causing the emotional distress. Courts are more likely to allow recovery when emotional distress is accompanied by some form of uh, physical injury resulting in defendant's conduct, like employment, for example. Um, um, but And when you look up a lot about IIED, I- 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 you'll find mainly employment stuff because people don't know about this. Um, and so it's not applied, but it, if you go back to the words intentional infliction of emotional distress, that can be any kind. And so that's why you've got to justify what kind it is. And then now you, if they accept it, now you have to prove it to a jury. Um, not all offensive conduct qualifies as intentional infliction of emotional distress. However, even people in civilized society must necessarily deal with a certain level of rude or offensive conduct. When it comes, the conduct arises at truly reprehensible level, though recovery from the resulting emotional trauma becomes available. Um, Intentional affliction of emotional distress, the elements, um, while some states' specific rules for IID do uh, differ, um, the following tort law elements are fairly common. Generally, emotional distress is extreme or outrageous conduct that is intentional or reckless, which would be um, uh, negligent also. Reckless would be negligent. Um, uh, causes severe that's why we say negligent because it says intentional or reckless so we'll call it negligent um causes severe emotional stress and emotional injury and possible also bodily harm mm-hmm. um like you were even threatened that um they were going to kill you or like my ex driving down the wrong side of the road into oncoming traffic with me in the car several times <laughs> um wow uh, And, uh, but uh, in in addition, uh, parties may sometimes recover from emotional harm under circumstances where extreme outrageous conduct wasn't even directed at them. Typically, this kind of claim involves extreme or outrageous conduct towards the uh, claimant's family while the claimant's present, claimants were present. This type of claim varies even more widely from states that the basic intention of affliction tort, but there are some that generate elements of cause of action. And those can be like extreme and outrageous conduct directed at a third party or third person, um, intentional or reckless, and then also uh, causes severe emotional distress. 
And then, so those are some of your elements. Um, I'm gonna, I got some more I can go into, but we, uh, if you guys want, we can uh, talk a little bit more about some of uh, what you guys have experienced when it comes to this kind of stuff. And uh, um, uh, would it be something that you guys would do? Was this filed in Marineka's case or no? Not yet, no. That that's something she's got to decide to do. Which that that I'm glad that's a good question because, um, in order to do this, do this, um, IIED um, is basically in in layman's terms, it's a personal injury claim, mm-hmm. and and um, and and because it's a personal injury claim, and then a lot of times it's not just against your ex; it's against officials. And in fact, your ex is a lot of times just a puppet of the official. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the judge, for example, he might have the judge uh, manipulated, but the judge is still using him. Um, and um, and so uh, getting another uh, personal injury lawyer to practice this case, this type of case, um, is not likely um, unless you find some lawyer that's been through it already. Mm-hmm. And they they're willing to like even travel and that kind of thing to come practice for you on your behalf because they're more of an advocate now, which they're out they're, those are out there. You just got to find them. And I'm sure you know some you guys know some of them. But uh, but yeah. And so that that that's your one of your main problems. And, and because of that, basically, you're faced with having to fight the case on your own in mm-hmm. pro se. And that can be difficult for you to do um, because you've got to separate yourself from the situation. And uh, Marineka and I were talking the other day and I'll let her give you an example with her case, what she's trying to get herself prepared for and stuff. Mm -hmm. If you'd like, Marineka. Yes, Marianne, I am planning to move forward to the IIED. Um, You know, like I said, I already prepared my mind to separate myself from all the emotional and everything that I need to write, you know, like you said, facts don't have feelings. Mm-hmm. Facts don't have feelings at all because these people keep harming you and keep taking you, taking you through the, the mill, taking your child through the mill, you know. Um, you can handle some of the stuff as an, barely handle some of the stuff as an adult, much as bringing a child through um, all this emotional turmoil for nothing, you know, for no mm-hmm. reason, you know. Because in my case, you know, it's not like I deny, like I mentioned previously, it's not like I ever denied a father from seeing or meeting this, this child or um, was withholding anything from him. So for him to move from zero to a 100 and want full custody and all the allegations was just crazy. And then, yes, he's being used as a puppet. I honestly believe that because, like I mentioned, he had the same lawyer, Brooke, um, the lawyer, Laura Brooks, for the last three or four years of our case and that's this woman's probably what 350 to 450 probably an hour and he does not work for that much money to keep her so basically they're using him as a puppet he think he's outsmarting him in some of this stuff but he's being used as a puppet because remember i write all of um the complaints against them so they have all this vendetta against me for writing the aclu for writing the governor and all of that so they're just basically using him and using my child as a weapon to get back to me and this happens more frequently than parents know. And also, they don't even know this is happening when they're going through this as well. They don't realize until you step back 
maybe years later and realize this. Yeah. <laughs> That's why yesterday I mentioned you have to take your emotion, you have to step back, mm -hmm. you have to regroup, re-strategize and refocus and, you know, take emotions out of it because when you have the emotions all in it, yes, I know as parents, we want to save our children, we want to protect our children, but we also have to take care of ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. mentally physically and emotionally we have to take ourselves out of this and then that's the only way we will be able to see the chess game that mm -hmm. they claim that they play, you know what i mean well exactly like you said you gotta uh one separate yourself from it but like in in traditional therapy they'll tell you um well um one we'll call if you're ever in this situation you're in a crisis <laughs> okay and mm -hmm. when uh in in a professional setting when a crisis happens they say you need to focus on you and then you might even go, well, my kids, I'm worried. You can't help them until you help yourself. <laughs> so focus. Right now, it's about you. You need to focus on you. And, mm -hmm. and in a lot of these cases, when you go into this court, it's draining you mentally, emotionally, and financially. Mm -hmm. You know, and then a lot of times these alienators will get co-alienators. And then, mm -hmm. so they got their income, the co-alienators income, and then 60% of your income, and you can't afford a lawyer. And, and so, you know, this is where you got to go. Okay, I got more. We talked about this yesterday. I got more going out than I got coming in. And so you need to step back and stop that process because it's going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to, you might as well either disagree now or, or give up, walk away or something. Um, but, but to go jump through all their hoops, you're just going to, it's a, it's a losing battle. And so you got to stop it. And then you take that money and you, uh, what first you, like Maranaka had said the other day, kind of just uh, get yourself regrouped. And I call it reassessing too. Um, so regroup and reassess. And, um, and then um, uh, like I've, 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 I've said to a lot of people, you know, th this is like an attack. So let's look at this from a military standpoint and in a military fight, I call it the three R's. Um, when you're under attack, that means you're in a defensive posture. And so this is not a good place to be ever. <laughs> and, and so what you do is everything that are the one thing that most people won't do retreat. <laughs> Run. Mm -hmm. And, and then you go back to a place where you find safe and again, keeping from a military standpoint. Now, now, now that you're in a safe zone, you reassess and part of your reassessments um, sending like people back on recon to get them now your numbers of all the tr their troops and military equipment and all that getting intel basically and then report back and then now we'll finish the reassessment and then we'll go to the uh, um, third stage of the R's the third R which would be redeploy and now you put them on the defensive posture um, and so you that's what this IIED can technically do is you retreat from the kangaroo court and then you go into a court where you can get some jurors um, and you might have to even actually start by engaging in their kangaroo court to kind of set them up, get yourself some evidence to bring over there of why you just ran from it. You know, don't just like retreat immediately. Go ahead and engage in the fight some and let them violate your rights and then now go, now drop it and then go away um so don't yeah i'm not saying just drop it and run if you identify it you know let them let go through the hoops a little bit but be careful of what you say and what you did because they might set you up criminally 
And if they do, the good news is that'll cost them more in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, false imprisonment and um, uh, malicious prosecution. Uh, I think I said that earlier um, and so on and so forth. So, um, but that's, <laughs> nobody wants that even if you can recover it somewhere down the road. You can't recover time with money. No. There's just no way you get it. Um, and so, um, but yeah. What do you mean when you say co-alienators? Is that the same term as flying monkeys? Uh, yeah, that may be so. Yeah, the, the Wicked Witch of the West is flying monkeys. But um, a lot of times that's, you can have a whole bunch of co-alienators, but I'm talking about like where they they go move on to their next, you are their last victim, they're moving on to their next. They find somebody that has, you know, that they don't care one thing about that person. They're just there because they need, uh, you know, the support financially and a place to stay and so on and so forth in a lot of cases and so especially in a breakup most places most people don't have i mean in the divorce maybe there's if there was a house involved that was purchased or something but if um that's only like maybe half the nation the other half are rent easily and so so you know pretty much in a divorce or, or split up neither one of you are soon to have a place and so um but yeah, and so they usually latch on to somebody quickly, especially if they're a narcissist. They move. In fact, they might have had their target clear ahead of leaving you. And 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 then parental alienation sometimes is <laughs> even a decade before the hatchet drops. And the hatchet may have never dropped had you not resisted somewhere along the ride and started going, calling them on their shit or whatever, and then and start making your way out, and then the hammer starts dropping. Because so, I've seen that too. Yeah, and and and, that, and and that's a good thing to retreat to, is because then you're able to identify the the key players. Like um, mm-hmm. that's what I was able to identify all of them. People at some staff at the daycare, some of them at the courts, some of them at the the counselor one, um, the visitation center have a few of them. So I'm I pretty much know a lot of the co-alienators. I pretty much know they show themselves. You know. The way they treat you, the, the way they try to humiliate you, you're able to identify them. But I don't say, you know, you cannot feed in and engage with them either. You know? Mm-hmm. So you yeah, go to you the weekend, you're ready to, mm-hmm. The thing don't that I, I notice, I mean, I don't know if this happened to you, Marineka, but, you know, we had a horrible psychologist testify. And it was hard to do a rebuttal because... She had to go back to her office to, you know, keep up with her appointments with other clients. Mm. So she essentially made another false accusation and walked out of the courtroom. (laughs) It's like what you can't and you can't stop it. Well, Marianne, in my case, the no psychologist never. um, One psychologist um, did. testify based on the co-parenting um, that we had um, prior, the first one, he testified um, because I wasn't comfortable, whatever. I don't know what is his purpose, but besides him, no one testified in my case. Everybody else writes statements and send into my ex-attorney. So no professional ever testify in my case. So all the, the pictures that my ex produced and the videos that my daughter was being touched and all of that, no police officer testify in my case, no psychologist testify in my case, neither her doctor testify in my case, 
no um, daycare worker, nobody testified. Only a few people that his attorney chose as witness. And these people are all writing statements. So anybody could have write those statements and said, oh, it's Tom, Jane, Sam. Mm -hmm. So nobody never, ever testified in my case. Not even the DFS worker in the first instance, not even DFS. None of these people ever testify in my case. So when we first went to court was myself, um, him and his attorney, his father when he was alive at the time, um, they was trying to bring his cousin in to, and, his, and his son in, but for some reason they didn't get in because his son was to come to see how horrible of a stepmother I was. Um, and this one psychologist, but nobody else um, testify in my case. So all the time when I was accused of abuse and all of that, no professional said <laughs> concrete. And mm -hmm. all the way up until, I mean, that's in the beginning, going along the case, I mean, June of the June of this year was the first time DFS ever um, testified in my case. And they were a bunch of crooks anyway. You know, they were all co-alienators too, because they're the one who encouraged him to start the case because somebody complained um made a report to DFS regarding um, statements my daughter made to them. You know, they say that I'm abusing the system. But other than that, all the time when I was going back and forth, court, all the time when I was going back and forth, there was no professional, absolutely none, not even our doctor. I'm not sure if my daughter doctor is aware of some of these things that is going on. No, nobody testified. So, mm -hmm. and all of this went through court. Not one psychologist, not one doctor, not one police officer, none of that physically other than what people that um, his attorney had written down on paper. Yeah, and that's also, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer, but sounds like another form of no due process. Oh, absolutely. It, it, well, it, it happens time and time again. And like I was explaining yesterday, um, uh, a lot of uh, what happens uh, with the, all this due process and rights violations, oh, um, that we've discussed are actually happening outside the courtroom. Um, but <laughs> when you get into the courtroom, there's far more that happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, so, and just think of how much we've, she's discussed on her case, which is mainly outside of the courtroom. Um, like, and then like yes, yesterday, even when she had said where she was uh, um, talking and telling the judge, she didn't have a lawyer. She asked if she could get a lawyer and, um, um, they wouldn't, they denied that and, and kept moving forward. And that's just, <laughs> you have the right to an attorney. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, they constant, they, they violate many, many rights, but the majority of them fall in the Miranda rights mm -hmm. uh, within the courts. And so that means you got no due process. <laughs> no, none. <laughs> and, and so, so most of these court cases are actually invalid. Why? Because many rights were violated. Mm -hmm. They should all be adjudicated. <laughs> yeah. And it's all taking place in an illegitimate courtroom. It is, this is not even real. This is not a real courtroom. It's just, uh, it's appalling this has gone on this long. And how many people, families have suffered through all of this. And also, Marineka, with your case, who knows how long it's going to be dragged out? <laughs> yes, well, no, that's not. Mm -hmm. well, sorry. Go ahead, 
No, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> okay. I was going to say the average is about seven, seven years that I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, no lower than that. The people that are any lower than that, they're still kind of going through it. And so, but, but it's usually seven or more years when, when, when it comes down to the length of time. I've heard of 12 and even longer, actually 20 some, because uh, some parents never get, you know, how like a lot of there's that social stigma. Well, the, when they grow up, you know, the connection will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And some, some parents are beyond 20 years of alienation because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just so sad, very, very sad that, you know, um, this go on because in the long run is the kids who suffer the most, the kids who suffer, really suffer the most. And um, my daughter have already learned how to adapt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, she learned how to deal with abuse. She learned how to to play the game. She know what to do when she's at my house. She know what to do when she's at daddy's house. She know what to do if anybody question her. She she already have it down path at five, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and watching her behavior now that she is acting out everything to be disrespectful towards me. Um, it, it's hard. It's 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 very hard. I I don't know. It's very very hard. And she kind of um. Next, another thing that I noticed with my daughter, they're using her as a co alienator too. She reports back everything that is said in my home. I mean, I don't question her. Um, I don't you know get involved with what's going on at his house. I don't ask anything. But she reports back everything. Everyone I talk to. Now I notice something new with her. If she her, overheard me. To take talking to anyone she want to know the person first name last name and their phone number is actually working with cia yes um so yes she she they have her well schooled they have her well well schooled and that that constitute that that constitutes child abuse it's, it is yeah. that's that's the child psychological abuse and that was going on in my case as well um the child would lie mm-hmm. about something, whatever, and to the alienating parent, they'll tell a lie on you. Yep. Uh, I, I believe that's called splitting because they have to cope in that household where they are being psychologically abused. So they have to just tell lies to just to survive in there. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes a toll on them. You know, as well as you. Yeah. And and that's what my daughter doing. She's telling a lot of lies, um, you know, basically to survive and not to offend and, and I guess to fit in or, you know, just I, it's a lot of lies going around. And her father paying that picture. So when she tells anything, so if anybody question her, my own attorney said that, you know, the kid is a liar. I don't know why you keep reporting stuff. You know, that kid is a liar. I was done with her. Mm-hmm. You don't tell people, even if you feel that she's not just lying because she wants to lie, she's lying because she's been taught to lie. Mm-hmm. She was not, she, um, she was not a child like that. She's just five. She right. had no reason to lie and, and protect and defend anybody. You know, no, it's not, it's not normal behavior of a child that young, along with some of the other behaviors you've discussed with me. 
And, and I want to say one other thing that, you know, that I, I took a long time to process. She and I was going to, we were going out and she was in the car and she said, mommy, let me, let's stop at this playground and, and play. And I said to her, I said, this area is kind of not um, safe because they do a lot. Um, they have a lot of shooting in this area and stuff like that, you know, and I don't want us to stop here. I don't feel comfortable. It's not safe for us to play here, but mm -hmm. I will find the playground. So she was like, oh, yeah, guns, guns send people to heaven. You know that, mommy? Guns send people to heaven. <sighs> so I'm trying to pick her mouth. Like, what do you know about guns sending somebody to heaven? She said, yes, my daddy tell me guns um, send people to heaven. And I said, you know what a gun looked like? And she just bent her head. And I said, no, I want you to raise your head and look me in the eye. You know what a gun looked like? And she was like, yes. So I so said, where did you see a gun? She said, my daddy. I know you have a gun. I don't know if he had it registered now. I know that he has purchased a gun during the marriage. So now you have this gun in front of this child. Who knows what he told her? She knows that if she said anything, gun is going to send you to heaven. But, you know, you say anything, they're going to say you're making up stuff. Like they said that I'm making up all kinds of stories because I don't want to pay child support or because uh, my child is being taken away from me and all of that stuff. You know, well, it's good that you kind of don't say it for when you go into the court, uh, other courts. Then we can now bring that in and have that question before they've tried to undo that with her or anybody else. Um, and so um, it's kind of good that you hadn't saved that. That's an ace up your sleeve for sure. And so mm -hmm. like when you go forward and we request a court psychologist through IID, for example, um, that um, uh, of your choosing now, <laughs> um, and uh, um, and then have that court psychologist question her on that issue and come out with the, what whatever they can come out with on it. And then you just keep, keep the way you've been until that day comes. I'm, so, I'm also a that big way there's fan. no alert on that whatsoever. Right. I'm also a big fan of affidavits. I don't know if you remember the date and time she said that to you, but I would go yeah. to a notary and this is the statement what she said, and then just sign your name. Mm -hmm. I remember the dates and time, the same day when I was going to file that paperwork in the court. Because that could be used as an exhibit. Mm -hmm. and, absolutely. And well, as should, probable cause to get the court psychologist to come in, absolutely. And, and DFS should know that something was wrong because one time she said that I beat her with a knife. Um, it's a knife that they call it the guy, the DFS worker asked me about this knife. Is a specific, I don't remember the name of the knife, but when I Google it, I had to Google it because I didn't know what type of knife it was. But when I Google it, it was a knife that used by hikers and hunters, mainly used specifically for hunting and hiking. They use these knives. And I was like, what? So first my friend was like, what? But then afterwards he was like, you know what? Because he was in the military, it dawned on him said, he he's familiar with that knife like what's wrong with this you know so i guess you're trying to say that he showed her a knife i don't know but these people there's something else but right there and then they should have known so he came to my bathroom looking for the knife uh. so, and right away if, I, if you ask me what this knife was and i didn't know i had to google to see what the knife what the knife was and what it's used for you know it's something that i'm not familiar with Right there and then you should have, um, and I think I told the DFS work at the time. I said, right there and then, 
this is indication that this child is being coached. Mm -hmm. Because if I have to go and Google what this knife is, and she's right. saying it, as, you know, that's a good point. That's a very good point. But and all of them went along with him and just going along. Like the last worker that they claimed quit, um, when with all the black and blue marks, when this says mosquito bite her, the girl was like, "No, this is totally abuse." So I guess she didn't want to lie for them or go along with the game, so she quit. She said, you know, this is only going on because he works with the state. I don't know what that have to do with anything. What that have to do with anything? He's above the law. He's just a DMV investigator. He's not above the law. I work, I mean, for my short time at the police department, I saw two police officers get arrested. They weren't above the law. Mm -hmm. So what, what makes him? But you see, like, again, this come back to show you he's being used as a puppet because they want to get at me. But I'm not going to engage with them. And this is not going to go on for seven years. Hmm. And once my child keep lying on me, I'm, you know, it's as hard as it is. And it's my only child. I'm going to leave it in God's hands. And I tell the DFS work, I am going to leave it in God's hands. It's not like I'm not going to, I'm going to go ahead and file the IIED, but I have no control. Why do fight for her? And they, you know, they're going to withhold her from me and they have her lying against me. And before I go into jail or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. why, why fight about over something that I have no control over and they're using my child well and you know you said something yesterday about uh, one of the I think it was a therapist or a lawyer or somebody had said about uh, our, do you know how to play chess and it's like what the hell <laughs> um, weren't we told when we were younger not to use your kids as pawns if we're playing chess <laughs> Right. And my kids being used as a pawn. Thank you for the admission there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. These judges aren't even asking the right questions uh, when they sequester these kids with their, you know, with the attorneys have to be present. Um, the judge should really ask, who drove you here? <laughs> That's the key. Who drove you here? And what did they tell you to say? That's what they should really be asking right off the bat. Right. That's a good approach there. Yeah. What were you told to say on your way here? That's the first yeah, question. That's a great first question. <laughs> it's so true because my daughter was questioned at the CAC, the Child Advocacy Center, twice, and they had her father accompany her. Mm -hmm. They had the father take her. Right. Mm -hmm. So what do you think he's going to tell her? Just exactly what he's telling her to say and to do. And that's so sad for her because as she gets older, depending on how this all turns out, she's going to be really confused and have feelings Messed of up. guilt and or feelings she doesn't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and um, yeah, she, she is going to be. Even look at, like, she just had a birthday and he told her not to take no presents or anything from me. You know, I went to keep a, a, a birthday party at a school and he told her not to take the bags, not to, you know, to do anything. And I, I know she was very hurt. I know. But he think he's doing the right thing. They think they're doing the right thing. But everybody who is want to label me that I have mental health issues and, and all of that, I want them. I want them, I want this table to turn on them. Like, let me just practice for if you want to play. 
give let me give you my situation and somebody take your kids from you mm-hmm. you know let somebody take your kids and all the things that you put in and throwing onto me and my child let them do it to you and let let me see if you're gonna act normal and you wouldn't act like you have mental health issues some the things that people put you through they would not they themselves would not be able to handle it yeah. The thing yeah. is, funny you should mention that, even though it's not funny, but I was in superior court and I approached the opposing attorney and I said to him, you know, what would you do if your wife was doing this to you? And he looked at me and he paused and I saw a glimmer of of whatever you want to call it, compassion, empathy. And then right back, he went into a, the sociopathic stare and he walked away from me. So I I just don't think even if if gaslighting. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. you can't reason with them. You can't you couldn't even reason with the opposing attorney. I tried. No. Yeah, his attorney, she she did, even when we went for mediation and I didn't even know why they just sent it back to mediation, she didn't make no effort. She didn't want to um she just have this notion that you have sole custody, sole um, residency. She don't have to mediate anything. She didn't want to. She had no intention. She wrote up this paper that she wanted me to sign my kid over, give up all my information, and move on. Who are you? <laughs> right. Who are you? <laughs> she didn't have no intention mediating or coming to no, um, no proper what um agreement no um feasible agreement with anything she did mm-hmm. plain did not mediate she just want to war 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 i don't think she should she don't deserve to be no family and um, um attorney because and i think she want to be a judge i hope she would never my prayer i would stay on my knees i'm telling you she would never be a judge. You could imagine how many kids' lives she, she would destroy more in Delaware. In law at any degree at this point. Hmm. My child, at the end of this, is going to be very messed up emotionally because my daughter loves me. Mm-hmm. My daughter loves me. We have a bond. Like when she comes over, my from two months, from two months, even though my daughter had a crib and she had her own room. We always sleep together. Mm-hmm. We go everywhere together. We do everything together. And all the educational stuff, that um, exposure, it's me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one. She was in swimming early at a very tender age and all this other stuff. He have this child. She's very talented. My daughter is very talented. She's that very outgoing kid. He don't have her involved in anything. I wanted to get her into dancing this summer. Because my friend was paying for it, he bullied his way that I would not get summer so she wouldn't be in dancing. But you have her involved in nothing. Mm. And the courts refuse to see this. And all these people encouraging him to do this and do that. The kids in soccer shots, the kids in that, the kids in that, the kids in everything. And here you are dumping your money into the court and your child is not involved in anything. Look, I had, I had her involved in soccer shots and where the school um in our daycare. All he had to do is give this child her her t-shirt. He refused to do that. So sometimes she go to soccer shots without a t-shirt, or sometimes she didn't go. He keep her home. 
because wasn't his money paid for it. So you think you're spiting me, but you're not spiting me. Nothing she's involving, nothing. No program, no extra, nothing. Since he started getting the child support money, he went and joined um, jujitsu. He could have gotten her into a class. Nobody taking her as extra socialization, like he tell a psychologist, that he taking her extra socialization um, to meet other kids. She's in the daycare from six till six, six or five whenever you pick her up because you have nobody else to take care of her. Like that. Yes, even though the stepmother is there, the stepmother is not that involved. They don't even call my daughter here if I don't comb her here. They don't wash her hair if I don't wash her hair. Mm -hmm. You're not helping her learn her numbers, letters, nothing. All of those things that she was taught at my house, she forgot everything because they have other things on her mind. She has to remember to ask people their name, their phone number, and all of this stuff. She don't have time to remember her alphabet, know how to write, how to nothing. She have big stuff to remember now that is so sad yes so i don't know nick let me don't cut it <laughs> nick you could say oh. All good. no worries i was gonna say though going forward um we should do a show on uh going to the deeper points of psychology and parental alienation and then also how to use it in tort law um, mm. because it's it, a, a lot of us are experiencing that through the family courts and and so uh, and, and and it's basically the family court's fault that parental alienation even happens because it should be able to be identified I mean anybody can when you read the you know there's seven about 17 qualifying factors of it and and um and so if those things exist you should be able to identify it just like a judge should be able to identify frivolous lawsuits and so on and so forth mm -hmm. that they're not uh, like because like i uh in uh Maranaka's, uh motion to the court that uh you know the uh several times of them coming at her the judge should have after the second or third time should have said this is frivolous and instead of allowing it to go up to eight mm -hmm. nine times and then finally accepting it so there's a law that that judge should have invoked and did not on her behalf if the judge was being um impartial mm -hmm. and you're never getting that in these cases and i also mm -hmm. think be very careful when you go in there, because on the first day, if the opposing side calls out parental alienation, and even the judge calls out parental alienation, your case is over. Mm -hmm. They've already set you up. It's a big setup. That's how it does disengage. No one thing That's how it does disengage from them. You know? Especially in my case, I, I already know what it is. I already see the key players. Like I said, I know everything is stacked against me. So why why engage with them? Mm -hmm. And like I said, just I didn't just walk away. I give them a reason. How they responded, it's on them. Mm -hmm. You understand? How they respond to what was um, sent to the court, it's on them. Because all their faults and everything, I give them a reason. They have a reason why I'm not engaging with them. So I'm not just walking away without letting them know. They know. 
So like you're right, people, when they're walking away, they have to just don't walk away. Say why you're not, why you're walking away and make sure what you're saying is factual. And mm -hmm. one thing I want to, um, I want to say that I think I did mention this to Nick this morning. People have to document, document, date and time, document, document, document. Be careful what you put in on Facebook because a lot of people have been tampering with my Facebook. Like yesterday, someone changed the, the um, my name on my Facebook. Um, I don't even know how, you know, so don't put anything on Facebook and certain things with your court document, make sure you get floppy drive. Nobody get access to those things, you know, especially if you want to go ahead with the IIED, make sure you get all your information and don't, you know, don't share your information with any, any, anybody, make sure those things are confidential to only you and who is helping you, you know, mm -hmm. because people will just destroy information. Mm-hmm. So very, very um, careful what you're sharing, who you're mm -hmm. sharing it with, and how you're saving your information. Right. And I think it's also important when you're this happens, sometimes you get sucked into these family courts. Mm -hmm. Just don't even put anything on social media because they will twist it around and use it yes. on you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes, they will. They sure will. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's just so, it's just, this is just a horrible position. And I know people don't want to get involved in this case because they're saying, oh, this time is going to happen to me. I was that one person. I didn't say, I didn't say it was never going to happen to me. I didn't expect that this was going to happen to me. You know, I was in law enforcement. I, I, I mean, I'm not a perfect person, but I pretty much live a decent life. You know, I'm educated. I have good jobs, good career. I have my own home. And all of these things, who would have thought this was going to happen to me? Mm -hmm. And just, you know, who could have thought that this would have happened to you, Marianne, and other people that, you know, the um, podcast that I listen to, you know, nobody, none of, the, none of us thought this was going to happen to us, but it happened. Mm -hmm. And that's what people need to, to get out of. Oh, this is not going to happen to me. This didn't happen to a family member or this, you know, is not, this have nothing to do with me. I, I don't know this person or, you know. We have to come out of that selfishness because anything could happen at any moment. You're right. You're right. That's why we have so much messed up children in society. And and another horrible thing to say, I'm I'm gonna sound horrible, but we have children that are growing up to be basically unmarriageable. Yes. Because yes. there are kids that have come from intact marriage, you know families, marriages, and they go to meet this kid now with a personality disorder caused by family court. Yeah. What do you think's going to happen, especially if that that kid from family court hasn't gotten any psychological help? Which is usually the case. Yes. And this is why the family court wheels keep turning. They are doing this to our children on purpose so they can create Absolutely. more cases. Mm -hmm. I could. Oh yeah, it's, it's intentionally broke. Absolutely, they want they want a mentally unstable society. Oh yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I'm I'm so hurt about my kid, but like I said, with everything for me to able to move forward with everything else, I have to detach mm -hmm. myself from a lot of stuff. How I feel, you know, 
It's mm-hmm. not like I'm being cold to my child or or I don't care about her, but I also have to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, I wouldn't be no good to help her. Mm-hmm. I would not be able to put myself in a better position to better to fight for her, mm-hmm. you know? So I have to take care of myself. I really do. Mm-hmm. And this is this is so such an unfortunate situation for my child from growing up in such a happy space mm. to now come into this. Our world has been turned into turmoil. Yes. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, as much, and um, like, to, you know, one day I was feeling like, Arr. but Toby mm. sent me, I, I'm not going to share because I don't know if he found, I, I didn't ask his permission. He sent me such a beautiful letter. Mm-hmm. Toby Shred, I went on your show. Oh, yes. He's fabulous. Talking about, talking about forgiveness and stuff like that. And I'm working on forgiveness. Because at the end of the day, is the father that put my child in this position when he didn't really need to. Mm-hmm. Even though he has the judge and all of them come into play, I hold him responsible. A father is there to protect, to love, not to, for you to put your child out there to for others to destroy mm-hmm. because of your own selfish gain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it turns to, it's not only your selfish gain, it's their selfish gain and benefit, you know? Because the gal is getting, I, I check how much money the gal in Delaware get. At, um, they get like 75. They, when I add up everything that they get charged for, you could say like $450, Four hundred and fifty dollars for how much appearance and plus for whatever they do. She went to the gal went to what two appearances and oh this case is like eight hundred pages. That's all you're hearing and she's falling along with what everybody else is saying. You haven't done anything to defend they, my child or to speak up. But you get in the money from the state. So this is money. This is for mm-hmm. day personal gain now. No, you want me to go to counseling to pay. You want me to go to counseling? Of course, that's money for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm, you know, at this point, you do what you need to do and God is going to take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a praying grandmother. My grandmother prayed a lot. She stayed in the closet and prayed. And I'm going to go into that closet and pray for these people. I am going to. Mm-hmm. I said mm-hmm. a lot of prayers before I tell Nick. Nick laughed when I told him. I said, Lord of mercy, if, if, Lord, if the father was listening to some of my prayers that I prayed for these people, they would all be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But I, I learned I learned to redirect my feelings, you know, because I need to work on me emotionally mm-hmm. and everything to make me better from inside out. Address how I feel about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Be a better person to better handle the situation. So yes, I'm gonna let it go for now. But yes, I will revisit it with IIED. Mm-hmm. And this will make you stronger. And this will also suck you into advocacy because now whether you like it or not advocacy has chosen you and you may have yes. people coming to you shortly in about yes. a year or so oh my goodness, oh my goodness yes <laughs> yeah but i'm glad i had you both back on because i want you on again um now i know i i interviewed you both yesterday so i will put your contact information there okay in the podcast notes, but uh, don't jump off, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. 
It's Land the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marion Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Maranika Bowman and Nick Giles. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Jim. <laughs>